Hey, this is Laura. And Stephen. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we're doing some vulnerable stuff. Me and Stephen are sharing some of our interpersonal struggles around gender expectations and some of our current shadow work. Let's get into it. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Laura. How is it going? You know what? It's going great. That's yeah. fantastic. It's going fantastic. You know, it's Tuesday. It is almost Valentine's Day, at least, where I'm sitting. Oh, and yeah, yeah. This will come out after Valentine's Day. Right. And I'm feeling relaxed and focused, dude, really focusing on some intentionality this week. And it's really been settling my nervous system, I got to tell you. Ooh, you and young mm-hmm. dad pod. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. How about yourself? What's going on? The human Laura is good. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in her life. The reader Laura is in the midst of some... She's going through it. Oh, yeah. Because she's mm. reading a book that contains going through it. Ooh. And unfortunately, this going through it is starkly familiar. Oh, boy. The book is Ripe by Sarah Rose Eater. And it depicts the emotional cataclysm that is working for a Silicon Valley tech startup. Very relatable. Please so continue. relatable. And she's she's describing events that I had buried for the listeners in the audience. I used to work in tech. I, I don't currently, but I used to. And then, you know, you do the burnout slash nervous breakdown as is tradition and this book is displaying to me a couple of events that I also experienced that precipitated the burnout slash breakdown cycle and uh now I'm just emotionally dealing with that like I'm fine I'm fine but this book is like how about some shadow work Laura (laughs) how about we recover these traumas to greater to heal them more effectively I will give you an example. I'll give you two examples. One you will relate to, the first one. Remember the constant fear of being fired? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a feature Mm. of data-based companies. The e-commerce place that I worked for wasn't as intense as some of these other places, but software companies and data-based companies have a kind of capriciousness in hiring and firing that will make you afraid just because you will never know what to expect. It's like that experiment with the dogs where like they would shock them and some dogs would be shocked at regular intervals. So those dogs would learn how to stay away from the shocky bear and other dogs would be shocked without warning or logic or reason. And they would just collapse. They would go into nervous collapse and and just acquire a learned helplessness. Anyway, that's that's the sort the dog experience in the second example is what you kind of experience at certain companies where the co-founders are are still very much in charge of things and because they have complete control over the investor section of the business, they have complete authority over hiring and firing. Mm-hmm. And they will say it's data driven because they have data. But as my AP statistics teacher once taught me, you can use data to support anything you want. Yeah. There is a difference between looking at data, saying, I see a trend within this data, and having a perspective that you want to push, and then looking at the data in a biased way, which is very hard to not do, and using that data to justify your decision. 
Oh, yeah. There's, they're completely different approaches. And one makes sense. One is, what is the data around our company? Who's performing? Who isn't? Are we hitting our goals? Where are we not? Why are we not? Okay, based on this, here's what we need to change. Versus, there's something about this person that I don't know. And then then trying to find the data to support a decision. And I got to tell you, the, even at larger tech companies, the stack ranking ambiguous dread that just kind of surrounds everyone is real. It's very real. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's that strange polarity where you are so lucky to be working in an emergent technology and so lucky to be compensated so highly, but also literally nothing about your life is certain and you're in such remarkable emotional precarity. Oh, yeah. And, and material precarity, depending on, on how you budget. So there's that. That's uncovering an old feeling that I had forgotten. And I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Turning over some stones, finding some moss <laughs> underneath it. Yeah, I'm not trying and... to introduce negativity into the oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. This isn't negative. This is healing, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is the work of healing. Like you said, it's shadow work. Called by another term, it's, it's dealing with stuff you hadn't considered or stuff you kind of buried and suppressed in the past or didn't fully address, which honestly, I think so much from our past just needs to be worked on for way longer than anyone realizes. You know, I've got some some rocks that I've been turning over that have some moss underneath that have some bugs on the moss that I really don't want on those rocks that are yeah. that are me that are you that want are, a clean rock i do i do so i've also been doing some quote-unquote shadow work recently which has been helpful to diverge just for a nanosecond i love the term shadow work because in its current usage it sort of exists in the new age occult woo section of oh the yeah ideological economy or the idea economy in fact, it comes from Jungian philosophy, the shadow. Oh, so it does, re- huh? Yeah, like the rejected parts of yourself that you sort of subsume to be more acceptable to society or to your loved ones or whatever. And I love how how mysticism unfailingly can integrate pieces of science into their belief system. Like, it's a flexible philosophy. I'm really impressed. Oh, yeah, it is. There's some part of me that, just the tangent a little more, mm-hmm. some part of me that when I hear people say they're doing shadow work, I assume the first thing my mind thinks of is, like, a play. Oh, dude, is it puppets? It's Yeah, it's a play where puppets are involved or you don't see the actors doing the acting. You simply see their shadows doing the acting in the background. And, and it's usually part of a dream sequence or a murder that occurs off stage, but you see the shadows and you see them getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they're enveloping the main character and it's so scary. And then it goes back to real life. Oh yeah, and the shadow play. To be honest, the shadow play, watching the shadow play, doing shadow work is kind of like watching the shadow play of your life. It's like, it, there are things that can't actually hurt you anymore, mm. but if you don't address them, they they will make you hurt yourself. They will make you sabotage yourself. Well, I don't even know if it's sabotage. They behave uncontrollably and less integrated into your larger personality. That's the Jungian perspective. Ah, well, they make me sabotage myself unless I well, deal with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, Because yeah. probably one of the things that's subsumed is a self-sabotaging instinct, mm. right? No, I quite predictably self-sabotage when I don't deal with my inner my inner stuff. Mm, yeah. mm. Oh, so that is that possibly like your interiority stopping you from advancing so that you can... You can move ahead in a more complete holistic way. Is Maybe. it a part of you that loves you? It, you know, it might be. It might be a part of me that loves me that's like, hey, you're doing a lot in this particular part. Professionally, you're doing great. 
what about your body? What about, you know, what about your skin? What about, you know, have you ordered your contacts? Have you taken care of yourself? Have you, have you gone for your doctor's checks? Um, I, I think that might be part of it, but also part of it, at least for me personally. I grew up pretty poor. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still a tiny part of my psyche that is like, all right, you've done enough. That's good. You're middle class. Awesome. You can stop. And if I try to go further, it's like, no, 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 no. Don't get high and mighty about it. Like you, you came from poor to middle class. Like don't, don't upper class. That's not for you. That's, that's like for, for fancy, for fancy woo-woos who are like out there doing like weird, weird stuff. And like, nah, don't, don't even, don't think about it. Go, don't go there. And all of a sudden it's like very, it's very You think New you're better than me? You think you're better than me? You're not. And honestly, those who, those who are in that group, you don't want to be a part of that. Why would you want to be? So there, I have, I have to like talk that oh, part of myself yeah. down. It's very New Yorker, as you can tell. It's like, no, 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 no. Just come out here. You're, you're a plumber. Be a plumber with the rest of us. I don't know what, for some no, that's reason, really that's what interesting. it sounds like. That's really interesting. Um, and so whenever I'm like, well, cool, I've gotten here, but I'm trying to get to, to like the next level. It's like, but like you're doing well enough, right? So like maybe relax, maybe calm down and like chill. Yeah, I have those blocks around interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Probably around other stuff too, but that which I am most aware of is is sort of the self-sabotaging I like to do in mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships because I grew up with parents who weren't who weren't really good at mm. interpersonal relationships either with themselves or with broader friend groups. Mm-hmm. Like my my dad is alone. And that is that is correct. <laughs> that is the correct way for things to be. Although ironically, <laughs> he is also very not alone, as I understand. Oh um, yeah, like yeah. A lot of people in his house. A lot of people in yeah. his house. They're just avoiding him. Yeah. Oh, no. As is the correct thing to do. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom is also an independent person, so I didn't see a lot of friendships growing up, mm. and that makes me a little bit wary of friendships in adulthood even though i have a, a number of friends that i've i've kept for like a decades totally. who who matter so very much to me i try to be well i am inherently very friendly but the maintenance that you do on a friendship like my brain has blocks mm. against it and that's probably why it's a lot easier for me to maintain friendships with men because they're less demanding it's not in like a not like the other girls kind of way where I'm like, oh my god, girls are so much drama. No, it's not that. I'm just like hanging out with dudes because they're just like low maintenance. We can chill. Yeah, and like we can just like chill. Whatever. Uh, yeah. No, I. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You, you're not. A yeah, fan of that. yeah. No, I mean, I, I sympathize with the perspective, and and maybe it's it's the right one for certain personality types. My experience with women is not that they're drama; it's that they are so so emotionally intelligent that it demands pieces of me that are underdeveloped, mm-hmm. and I'm just like I. I am either unwilling to show how how weak I am in this this region of life. Like I, I don't want to be seen to be weak or unskilled, but this is definitely an area where I am weak or unskilled. Or I just flat out do not know how to do it mm. and like run. Look, I, I gotta tell you that I, I appreciate your perspective. My perspective is a little different. Yeah. So as a guy, as a guy. I see that women are actually, they actually expect a regular human amount of engagement and interaction and support. They ask for the right amount of support. Mm -hmm. Guys, myself included sometimes, didn't learn often Mm -hmm. how to ask for support or help or like how to like hang out and just like be like, dude, that's, that's tough. Let's just like sit and walk through it. I don't have to fix it. No, nothing needs to be done. My value is not my utility. My value is, 
is here listening and being a friend or being a friend that is listened to. No one has to like take action. Mm. Um, and that is something that I think men don't ask enough of each other or of themselves emotionally. And I think women ask actually the right amount of stuff from themselves and from other, other women. That's not to say that like we're used to that amount of emotional support giving or receiving it. To be honest, it's a male dominated world. So we have a lot of the, the patriarchal expectations to just focus on the work, focus on the forward things like getting the family, getting the job, moving mm -hmm. forward in that direction. And so the emotional management part isn't really prioritized, at least in our society. Oh, did you seem, did you think I was saying that women need more emotional? Did, was no, there no. the suggestion what that were, it's too much? Or? No, what you were saying was like women, they're pretty emotionally supportive and like tend to have emotionally supportive conversations. Whereas with guys, it's a little more low maintenance. And I was like, yes. And I think they have the, I think women have the right amount of support that they ask for and give, but I feel like us guys, we don't do enough of it. What I'm saying is we Oh, okay. We you were introducing more. a new idea. Exactly. Like okay. We, it sounded like a, a response. And I was like, I don't know that I said what. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you said that. I'm just saying like, guys, we need, we need to be better. Basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that, that that's my perspective on, on my own relationships too. I need to be better. But I was raised by individuals who were very independent and I- I am actually much closer to the female members of my family than the male members. Like I, I love women, but the women in my family are such strong, independent people that it gave me a false idea of mm. how much I would need to bring to these relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And it I'm still not entirely you. sure how to, what I'm supposed to bring. This is an area, this is a growth opportunity for me. Yeah. It's really exciting to be challenged in this way <laughs> and I can't wait to overcome these challenges. <laughs> You know, it, it's fun because from my side, I always found it easy to give women that amount of emotional attention and support. Mm -hmm. But that's because more than anything, I'm straight-ish. So because of that, I tended to give that sort of support naturally. Like I I would treat a woman differently than I would a, I would a guy. Like I mm -hmm. would instinctively just want to be more supportive and more helpful and like more listening mm -hmm. uh, than I would if a guy had a similar problem. Oh yeah, it's it's so much easier yeah. when you're attracted to the gender exactly. that you're in, interacting exactly. with. Exactly. It's not even about being attracted to the person. No. It's about having a wholesale greater appreciation of the other gender. Yeah, for like the idea of what the gender is bringing yeah. to the table. But see, you're, maybe you're like, you know what? I am female. In your case, I am female. I have enough of that. It's less compelling. Like you, you still can do it. It's just harder in that case. Like I sometimes have a hard time supporting other guys in that way, even though I know they need it, even though I've literally had people... Like, say, kind of reach out. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you do need support. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. They always say that you actually will find more to fight about with people with whom you're similar than people who are different. Yeah. Because you have so much connective tissue, you can really get into the nitty gritty of policing that connective tissue. Yeah. Whereas the other gender, it's... It's kind of interesting. It's a it's a new land, a new topography. They they have that spark of of unknownness, and men get up on other men for reasons that I can't even understand because mm -hmm. I'm not a man because I have no experience with the structures and expectations of masculinity. Mm -hmm. I'd like to share something with you which I've I've found interesting. So, as a guy. When you're around other guys, at least in my 20s, I found this was more the case. 
there is something about men who are taller, mm. more charismatic, even better looking, and just more talkative in a group, funnier. Like they uh-huh. they display earmarks of attractiveness that people seem to respond to. And if you value some of those things or any of those things in yourself and you see someone that looks like they're a match or might be outshining you in certain ways, instinctively, you kind of want to you kind of want to cut them down. You oh, want the competition to, element. Yeah, yeah, you want to undermine them. You don't necessarily like physically fight them, but like I've definitely seen thing where, where guys are like, I don't know, I don't like that guy for some reason. I just, uh, and I've done it myself too. I'm like, I don't know why. I just don't, I don't like him. It's like, he's just, he's so tall. I want to fight him. And I'm like, why do I want to fight him? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think it's about just like our wired into our brains, like mate competition, especially mm. when we're single and we're like seeking a mate. If we're seeking a mate and we're, we're out there and there's another person who is also seems to be seeking a mate, but they're as good or better than us. We get stuck on the win part of it. Like we mm. have to win. We have to like take them down <laughs> or we have to outperform them or something in some way. So yeah, that's, totally. that's definitely a thing that I've noticed. I don't notice it as much because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty settled at this mm. point. I'm like settled into my life. I like where it is and I don't feel the need to like compete with other guys. I found I'm more, much more empathetic in my thirties than yeah. I was in my 20s. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's much easier to be kind when you're comfortable yeah. is yeah. something I've discovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't know that I get into competition with women. I'm, I'm not great at knowing what I bring to the table, and so I'm not great at identifying who is my competition. <laughs> but more than anything, I find myself scared of women. Mm, really? Like... I am frightened by their 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 social skills, their emotional aptitudes, their bids for empathy because they're things that I'm not really good at. Oh. Um, so I'll I'll enter an environment and people will be asking me a lot of personal questions and that puts me on guard even though it's an intimacy seeking behavior and people will be sharing vulnerabilities and I'm I'll be like afraid that I'm not offering the right I'm sorry that happened to you-ness of it all. I it feels like a big test to me. Hmm. And I, I don't really know how to perform in that environment. But with with men, I'm so familiar with it from having worked in male-heavy environments and from dealing with my dad a lot. I know that if I'm funny and if I seem tough, then it's going to be super duper chill. And every group of men kind of has a space for a one of the guys' girls. Oh, and yeah. so... I feel at home there. Nothing's really demanded of me there. It's a comfort zone. Uh, and I, it's, it's something I get to work through. Yeah. A fun and exciting project on the ongoing like train ride through life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there are other situations out there where you could have a chance to, to grow those yeah. parts. You know, those parts that are not necessarily as strong for me. I find that the parts that I'm stronger at are the traditionally feminine parts of being human. Not that they are intrinsically feminine, just what is traditionally considered feminine attributes, empathy, support, emotional conversations, just talking, Mm -hmm. just talking and going, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. I should reach out to them. Like just that sort of natural inclination towards that is something that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, Having feelings, sharing feelings, being there when someone, I think someone might need to talk about their stuff that I'm much more comfortable with than the the guy only situations mm-hmm. where they're quiet, they're often more quiet, often even less eye contact 
Oh, yeah, they they hate eye contact. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a thing together, you're watching a thing. And so that's where I've had to learn and grow over time. I was fortunate enough to land uh, in the army when I was in my 20s because there you are constantly just surrounded by 90% men. Mm-hmm. And it's like classic masculinity stuff, archetypes. Mm-hmm. All the classic masculine archetypes are in the army. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so over the course of the my year in Kuwait, I kind of had to get used to it. And I got a chance to get used to being around a lot of guys and what they were looking for and how I could like fit in or blend in more to that. And I got to say the thing that really taught me the most about how to interact with other guys Guys, those of you out there who aren't necessarily that good at interacting with other other guys, this is where I learned the key thing you need to do with other guys if you don't know how to talk to them. There's an episode of Scrubs where JD and Dr. Cox are, they're dealing with a tragedy. Something really bad has happened. I forget exactly what, but they basically throw on sports jerseys. They sit down in front of the TV and they watch this game that's happening but they actually talk about what's happening while they're looking at the game mm-hmm. for like five minutes. They're like, all right, cool. Good talk. Back to the game. And then they just, then they just go through the game. So like having a shared activity with guys is what is critical to like having a good relationship with other guys. Yeah. Um, like just doing a thing together, you will bond much better than if you're like, Hey man, how you doing? You know, you give them a hug, just like eye contact. Sometimes that can be a little overwhelming. <laughs> so just shared activity. And I found that really, really helpful. And that's, I'm still not the best at interacting with a group mostly of, of guys. Uh, I kind of need to lower my my emotional levels a little bit and do a little more mm-hmm, head nodding, you know. Uh-huh, so I feel uh-huh. you. I'm on the opposite side of it, though. Yeah, yeah and here we are finding each other. I know, right? Filling in the gaps in each other's weaknesses. Isn't that no, fun? That's fun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been instructive. Right. And uh, and maybe it's time to get back to lunch. I think so. I think so. All right. All right, folks. Thanks, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you got something out of this. And, you know, as always, leave uh, leave us a comment and let us, know, let us know what you thought. All right, folks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. This has been Stephen. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.